וגם אני פתאום Welcome to Kolot. This is your host, Rabbi Hillel Kappenstein, Director of the Columbus Community Kolel. And it's a great honor and privilege to bring to you our next episode featuring Slovi Jungreis Wolf on the topic of Daughter of a King. What is the role of a woman in the 21st century? This is a great episode. We're going to talk about a lot of contemporary issues. Um, and it's not going to be just for women. This is for men as well. And we're going to learn about what What is a woman through the eyes of Judaism? What men could do to be better husbands, wives for better wives, and children, how to raise children properly. Um, our uh, guest today has lectured on this topic on these topics many times, and we're also going to discuss the legacy of her mother, Rebitson, uh, Young Rice. Uh, so this is going to be a great episode. We're really excited to bring this to you. Uh, we would like to thank our media sponsor, Columbus Jewish News, CJN, for uh, being our media sponsor. And without any further ado, allow me to tell you about our guest. Powerful and compassionate, soulful and worldly, insistent and understanding, Slovi Jungrace Wolf is an acclaimed author, renowned lecturer, and parenting instructor. She's the leader of Hineni Couples and has taught about life relationships and marriage for more than 30 years. She gives weekly classes on the east and west side of New York City, Long Island, Brooklyn, and Westchester. Slovi's groundbreaking parenting handbook, Raising a Child with Soul, is published by St. Martin's Press and has been a source of support and guidance to parents and families all over the world. She has given workshops and lectured extensively throughout the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Panama, Europe, and Israel, and has addressed thousands at South Africa, Sinai, and Daba by the invitation of Chief Rabbi Dr. Warren Goldstein. Slovi is a popular columnist for the renowned site H.com, where her articles about life and Judaism have inspired people worldwide. Her parenting workshops on JewishEbooks.com has reached audiences around the globe. She is also a columnist for Ami Magazine and the Jewish Press. Slovi is the daughter of Rebetzin Esther Jungreis and continues her mother's legacy of rekindling the spark within every soul. So Rebetzin Slovi Jungreis Wolf, thank you so much for joining Kolot. My absolute pleasure. So happy to be here today. Thank you. So my first question is, and this is something that is being discussed a lot. It's in the news. Uh, the question of what is a woman? And I want to take this not necessarily through the lens of science or biology, but through the Jewish lens. The Torah has... Uh, I'm sure has a view on this that you've become familiar with and you've been discussing and you've been teaching. Uh, so through a spiritual lens, a Jewish lens, a Torah lens, talk to us, what is a woman, what is the role of a woman in today's world in the 21st century? Well, today's world is not so different than the world that has gone throughout the ages. What really is a woman? It's a great question. What's our role in this world? And I believe that Judaism is the only religion in the world that really sets a woman to be on this pedestal, if you may, where every Friday night we say, Eshet Chayel. This is a woman who's just a wonder woman. She's a woman of 
power, of valor, of strength. And it's under a chuppah where we see really that it's the woman who circles her groom seven times. And why do you do that? It's not the groom that circles his wife, which is surprising because it's a woman's role to really create blessing and to create this spiritual wall where anything that you think is going to be harmful to your life, to your family life, to your spiritual values, as a woman, you ask for the strength, you ask for the wisdom, you ask that from God, from Hashem, and you say, allow me to be this source of blessings in the world, which is a really powerful role. So here you have this, you could have the most petite bride, you know, and she could have this six foot two husband, right? But she's the one who's creating this wall. How many times? Seven times for seven days of the week. Because that role is forever and it never stops 24-7. So in our world today, when you have technology, let's say, which many marriages have fallen apart or have had problems because, you know, middle of the night, somebody's going back to their Facebook page and looking up their high school girlfriend or whatever it is, or looking on sites that are not healthy for you. You're comparing your life. You're coming away. You're thinking, wow, you know, I wish I could do this. You're feeling FOMO. It's a woman's role to really set the standard in the home of sanctity, of holiness, and of all that is good. Create blessing. Okay. And, you know, the reason why this is such an interesting um, question and, and conversation is because what you just described always was, is, and will be, I presume, correct? Right. Right. But we just take it into our world today. Right. We take it into our world today, which you know, is very different than what, what, what do I mean by different? So in this regard, not the other Mm -hmm. stuff, but in this regard, you know, women have not traditionally been in the workforce for a very, you know, till, you know, modern time, they're what the base Yaakov movement, you know, in education. And so there is this tremendous shift of where women are in today's society. And you're and what, from what I'm hearing you say, um, well, you know, you know, the world maybe woke up in some areas, but, but, but maybe not. So what is it? Was, were, was the world getting it wrong all along? And now we're starting to realize the power of, of women or no, the two are separate. How, how do you see what you say you know, in comparison to where the world is today? It's so interesting, but from the beginning of time, from Sarah herself, from Sari Menu, right? What did Hashem, what did God say to Abraham, to Abraham? Listen to your wife, okay? Shema Bikola. This is straight from the Torah. And all the different holidays, we have the most amazing Jewish heroines. Who is it that kept the Jewish people's hope alive in Egypt? It was the women. It was Miriam and it was Yocheved. The women are the ones who did not sin when it came to the Chet Meraglam, the sin against the land of Israel, speaking badly about the land. I mean, women have a tremendous, tremendous role in Judaism. It's women who bring the light into the home every week for Shabbos. Mm -hmm. So maybe the world is waking up to the power of women, but Judaism has known this all along, that a woman is called the foundation of a home. And it doesn't mean that you just sit in your home means that even if you go into the workforce, you have a role to play. And it's really, I believe, about priorities. 
I speak to many, many women about priorities. Once you're juggling many different roles, how do you keep that role of being that woman alive? It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. So what do you do? You have to know what your priorities are. And in fact, I do an exercise with women, but it doesn't hurt for men to do the same exercise where you discover what your priorities are. And sometimes you have to say no to certain pulls in order to be able to fulfill your mission and role in this world. No, that's excellent. We, we once had a speaker that gave an exercise of, you know, write down your top five important things in one list and on another list, write the top five time consuming things that you're doing and see if those two lists match. And many times they don't. So They don't. Well, right. what I do is I ask for circles. So in your first circle, put your priorities and it will tell you a lot about yourself and your life. And then your next circle is your next set of priorities. And then you have a third circle and see what falls within which circle. And now what takes the most time and effort and emotion? Is it things in your third circle? So you're disregarding your first circle. Mm. It's really something to think about. Sure. No, that's wonderful. That's great. Um, I want to ask you one last question on this topic, and that is I, I get this question a lot, and I'm sure anyone who's uh, dealing with a, a very diverse group of Jewish women and men um, had the, get, received this question, and that is if this all what you're saying is true, which I believe wholeheartedly that it is, how do we understand women not being able or at times not being allowed to perform certain mitzvot? You're telling us on one hand that we are – you know, top of the line in all of these areas, we make the home, we bring in Kedusha, we bring in holiness. Um, we are the ones who go around our groom under the chuppah. And now you're telling me, but only men can do this. We can't. So how do you explain this and being consistent with your message? I don't see it as women not being allowed. It's a point of God who created us. Hashem created us and knows exactly what each person needs it's like a spiritual diet. So when you see a woman and she doesn't have to go to Minyan or she doesn't have to lane for the bat mitzvah, and I've had this discussion with many couples that I teach because many did not grow up with you know, traditional Judaism, knowing and having that education. It's not a deficit. Why do men have to go to Minyan? Do you know why? Why do women not? It's not because women are less. It's because women are more. Mm -hmm. Women do not need to have that spiritual awakening every day. Our whole life is a spiritual awakening. Every day there's women that constantly saying, oh, my God, let this be okay. Hashem, help this child come home okay. Help my husband be successful. If a man would not be told to go to Minyan every morning, if that wouldn't be his mitzvah, I don't know how many would really go. But women are always searching and yearning. When, when somebody is seeking people to pray for them, to daven, who do you call? It's the women who fill up those WhatsApp chats and the Tehillim are just said, you know, in one minute. And then you have to fill up another one and it gets filled up in another. Why is that? It's not a deficit. It's a positive reason. We don't have to do what you have to do. And if you want to do what we do, you can't. I've had men ask me. Why can't I be the one to light the Shabbos candles? It's not your mitzvah. 
It's not your mitzvah to go to mikvah every month. That is a woman's role. So let's embrace what we have to do in order to fulfill our potential and not look at what the other person's doing because that's like the lion looking at the eagle and saying, why can't I fly? But you're a lion. You're king of the jungle. You don't have to fly. <laughs> that's great. That's a great muscle, great parable. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the line, fair is not equal. And Hashem, God is pretty fair. And it doesn't mean that everything is equal. It means that everything is within its appropriate context. And there are different roles and neither could do the others. Well, there's no word for fair in the Torah. Ah, even better. And that's how you know if it's true or not. Uh-huh. It's not about being fair. If something's not in the Torah, you know that the concept is not a concept of emis of truth. So there's no word for fair. There's tzedek, there's justice, mm-hmm. and there's righteousness. And I have to know what is right for me, what is just for me. But just looking at what other people are doing and saying, hey, why don't I do that? Why can't I do that? It's not because I can't as a negativity. It's a positive moment that I need to embrace what I can do. So let me look at what I'm supposed to do to fulfill myself. Mm-hmm. You can't be everything and you can't do everything because there's no such thing. But what am I supposed to be doing to fulfill my potential in this world? And that's why I live a fulfilled life. Fulfilled life. Absolutely. And I want to quote, uh, Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein's, uh, Zechariah someone I used to listen to a lot. And he, and I remember on this topic, he once said the explanation behind the blessing of Shaasani Kirtsono, the women say that we say that the women say, men don't say this, but women say in the Berchas Hashach and the blessing, the morning blessings, uh, that we, that they thank Hashem for making them like his will. And forever, I never really understood that, what that means. Oh yeah, Hashem was in the mood to do this and not do that, right? No, Shaasani Kirtsono, Rabbi Wallerstein explained, and I mean, maybe he was quoting someone else, but he said, no, Shaasani Kirtsono, Hashem made women's will like his will. They're more spiritual. They're more like him. And they're thanking Hashem for having that closer relationship. And that sounds very much similar to what you're saying. In fact, I was asked this question when I spoke in Mexico. There were hundreds of people in the room and one woman stood up. It, it was couples. It was a Friday night. And she said, what, what does this mean? And the fact is, what is the right zone of Hashem? What is the desire of God? What's God's desire? His desire is to create and to create good, not dysfunction. His, cre- his desire is chesed. Olam chesed yibana. The world is, bu- is built through compassion. And that is a woman's role in this world, to build, to create, to be that force in this world that it's hard sometimes when you live in a dysfunctional world to create function. Look at our world today. It's filled with chaos. It's filled with brokenness. And how do I fix that? That's a huge role to play in. And we have to think about how can I do that? Because just having self-care is not going to make me feel fulfilled. Not as a woman, not as a man. So there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a, a quote of me Indian, the Indian, but also Indian from one topic to another topic within a broader topic. So let's go to the role of a woman in marriage. Um, she, you know, it all starts off going around the husband, but from there on in, I guess, general terms, 
um, what from a, and through a spiritual lens, physical lens, we you know we can understand. Don't need to get into that now. But you know, in a spiritual uh, way, how do we explain and understand for ourselves and for and to teach our children what is the role of a woman in marriage? In marriage, we look always at the Torah. So, who is the first married Jewish woman to ever live? Sarimenu. Yeah. Sarimenu. Right. the Sarah, right? And it says, the Pasuk says, the verse says, Hinehi Ba'ol, she's in the tent. Now, what does that mean? Is she making sourdough the whole day? It means that she's creating bracha. She's creating blessing. And we know that she had three blessings, three brachas in her ohel, okay? Blessing of the Shabbos candles, the blessing of the dough, and the blessing of the cloud, which is a whole talk in itself how to bring that blessing into our lives. But the moment that she left this world, though Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, was living in that tent, and Yitzchak was there, we're talking about the most righteous people. The blessing did not return until Rivka, Rebecca, came into that tent. And what does that tell us? It tells us that, that the role of a woman in marriage, and if we look at each of these blessings, it opens our eyes even more. Shabbos, which means to bring light into a home, to bring joy, not to fall apart. Things are getting dramatic. Things are difficult. It's very easy to fall apart. But as a woman, you're the one who's holding it all together. The blessing of the dough, that it's always fresh, meaning that you don't go comparing your life and teaching your children or having your husband always looking you know, where are they going? What are they doing? Is this person more successful? Be proud. Be proud of your home. Be proud of who you're married to. Give encouragement. Keep that stability alive. Keep that freshness alive. And the blessing of the cloud, Anan, is a connection to Hashem, connection to God. Because no matter where you are in life, you could be on the most remote island or you could be in the most dense urban city. You have an ability a special ability as a woman to connect to God above. If you're able to do those three things, then you have fulfilled your ability and your potential to bring blessing into this world. And as you do that, you work on yourself as a woman. You connect to yourself. So you have three connections to work on. Connection to Hashem, connection to your family, to your spouse, to your children, and then connection to yourself. That's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Amongst that, you connect to others. Okay, wow, that was a lot. Um, you probably just took like a ninety-minute class and condensed it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so it sounds like the role of a woman is to, like, like you were saying, to bring to bring bracha into the home. Hinei um, ba'oh doesn't mean staying in the home per se, right? It means bringing right. bracha into the into the home. So if I'm understanding you correctly, does that mean she could have a job? She could be home with the kids. It's really not, you know, that's that that's regardless into this role. It's about making sure on a higher level is she bringing bracha into the home? Is that right? Listen, wherever you find yourself as a woman, some women have to work. Mm-hmm. Some women have something great to give to this world. You know, women have roles, but wherever that role takes you, whether you're a a working mother or a stay-at-home mother, that's not how I define a woman. Mm -hmm. I define a woman as 
her continuous ability to stay with her eye on her mission in this world and be loyal, create a legacy. Ask yourself, are you creating a legacy in this world? No matter where you are, whether you're in the office, whether you're home, what are your priorities? What are you doing? Well, if you're a mother and a wife, I would definitely say that your family must come first. There are times where I've had to say no to certain great career opportunities, you know, or some very important Shabbatones or trips. But my family comes first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's, you know, that's your first circle. That's your first circle. Going it's your first circle. Coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you see, it, it, that's why it's important to know where you stand. And of course, everything according to Das Torah. Everything according to Torah. Everyone should have an ability to ask somebody when you're confused or you don't know. Ask Das Torah. Have that one person in your life. It could be a rabbi. It could be a rabbitson. A Torah teacher. Somebody who can help you set your standards. And when you have a question, we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. So who do you go to? That's right. I, I, I tell people all the time, rabbis have rabbis. Everyone has a rabbi. I have a rabbi, and I know my rabbi's rabbi too. Um, exactly. So. And then you can sleep at night when you make a decision. That's right. And really, that's the I think that's the lesson of Moshe Kibbal Torah Sinai. Moshe accepted the Torah from Sinai and then gave it to Yoshua, and, and Yoshua gave it to the Zakanim because everyone has to have that link before them, and the link after them. Absolutely. Um, so, what can husbands do to be better husbands so their wives? Ah, are that's a great wives? question. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Right. Let's let's dive right in. And let's note that there's nothing that rhymes with happy husbands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kidding about that. Okay. So what can what can a husband do? What does a woman want, really? What do you think women want? Uh, to feel loved, cherished, valued. Affection, mm-hmm. appreciation. Really, really important for a woman to feel that her husband appreciates her, that her husband loves her. Now, a husband will say, what do you mean? I go out all day. I'm working so hard. I provide for you. Who do, I'm, I'm, if that's not love, right? That's the famous line. If that's not love, what is? Yeah. She needs to hear it. You know, you could buy your wife a beautiful bouquet of flowers. You could, you could buy gorgeous roses. And you can just put it on the counter. And you did a nice thing. Or you could buy your wife the same bouquet of roses and attach a note to it that just says, thank you, I love you so much. Same roses, completely different scenario. And just wrote seven words on a note. (laughs) That's it. Just give a little bit of that affection, a little bit to show that you love. When you come home from work, even if your wife is working, it doesn't matter whether she is or not. And I would say this to both men and women, but especially to men, it's so common to come in. And I know you've had a long day. So you come in and you say, just one more email, just one more text <laughs> before you come in. You didn't speak to my wife before. this. <laughs> before you come in, I always say, take a moment and breathe. Now look at the mezuzah on your door. Give it a kiss. 
and look at the three letters on a mitzvah. What are they? Shin, Dalit, Yud. Why that name of Hashem? Why that name of God? Because the root is Dalit Yud, which is Dai, which means enough. To know that I have the blessing of enough, I'm about to come into my home. This is my blessing. So I'm going to come in on my phone. Take a minute, breathe. If you had a hard day, if you had a long day, it's okay. Maybe tell your wife before, give her a text before. Today was a long day. I need a minute when I come home. But when you do talk, just put down the phone. You could change your entire life, your entire marriage, and give a little bit of affection. Appreciation makes such a difference. So that's what I would say women would really desire. I'm going to quote Rabbi Wallerstein again. Um, okay. And he, and he used to say that we say every single day in Shema, we, we, we say that we love Hashem. But before we do that in the morning and before we do that in the evening, we say the blessing of Abokher Ba'amo Yisrael Bi'ahva and Oyev Amo Yisrael. That Hashem says how much he loves us. It's not enough for us to say that we love him, but he wants to beat us to it. He wants to make sure that he set the record straight beforehand. So knowing it in here and trying to say that we feel it in here is not enough. We have to verbalize it. You know what? A compliment sometimes. Affection. A a woman's waiting all day. If you come home and you're totally bombed and stressed out, but can you find it in you? Are you man enough to put that aside? Okay, and just give a good word. Ask yourself every day, did I give one good word to my spouse? And a woman's just waiting, you know, something, something. Show me that you love me. How? Just a word. You know, a moment of affection. It's so important to keep a marriage alive. I took a course by doctors uh, John and Julie Gottman. Not sure if you've heard, you've heard of them. Sure. These incredible, uh, this incredible couple out in uh, I think Seattle, and he has this slogan called "Small Things Often," um, which basically, uh, and he has like this, like all organized in data, like couples that are happily married have a ratio from this to this, and couples that are not happy but not divorced are here, and couples that end up getting divorced are always. Uh, he has this incredible. Uh, math and science uh, that he plugs into relationships. But he has this motto, small things often, because it's the mistake that people think that's the grand uh, jewelry and vacations and just the simple like, oh, let me make sure the door's open for you. Or um, I'm getting a cup of water for me, but I want to make sure you have one first. Like small things. Can I tell uh, you that every single morning when I woke up as a little girl, I came out to the kitchen and my father, before he went to Minion, had prepared for my mother two things. One was the morning paper, and he underlined anything he thought would be interesting for her. And the second was a grapefruit cut into slices, just because he knew she would love that. And that's such a sign of love for me to see that every single morning. It doesn't matter if he was rushing. It doesn't matter what kind of night he had, what kind of morning he had. He always left that little gift of love from my mother. Beautiful. Uh, what paper, may I ask? It was the New York Times. So. Oh, okay, I was I, I wasn't sure if it was Sports Illustrated, but okay. 
No. Um, okay, so let's turn it around. Let's flip it for a second. What, uh, okay. if, if we're allowed to ask, but what could wives do to be better wives towards their husbands? You have to ask. We have to ask. It's I never know, but, just one side. I was saying that because I don't know if it's the job of a husband to ask. Worry about your role. Let them worry about their role. But here we're trying to cover both sides. So that's why I'm 100%. Asking. It's a partnership. So what, what do men want? What do you think men want? And again, we go to the Torah. You know, the first shidduch that we see is really when Avram Avinu, or Father Abraham, was looking for a shidduch for a match for Yitzchak. And finally, they find Rivka. They find Rebecca. She comes back. And as we said, the tent is filled with blessing again. And he, the Pasuk tells us, the Torah tells us, he finds Nechama, he finds comfort, and he loves her. What does a man want? You want to feel that emotional security that you're not being put down. You want to feel respect. You want to feel that my wife is proud of me. I'm a success in this home, in her eyes. You don't want to be nagged all the time. So it's the way that we communicate. You can say the same thing, but it's your tone. It's how often you say it. It's communication. And it's giving this feeling that, again, I love you. I appreciate you. But I'm also so happy that you're mine. There's there's a sense of reverence for the relationship. And if you're able to do that and not say the same thing a hundred times. So what do I tell couples when it comes to communication? I love this. You need mazel. And what does that mean that you need mazel? Look at the word of mazel. Mem is from a place. Where are you going to speak to your couple? to your husband, to your wife. Where are you speaking? If you're out with friends at a restaurant, that's not the time to bring something up, okay? The place makes such a difference. Zion, Zman, the time. The minute that your husband walks in the door is not the time to tell him that you want to order new patio furniture or, you know, did you pay the credit card? What, what, <laughs> uh, what the kids did and that the teacher called. Zman, the time, makes such a difference. And Lamed is Lashon, which is language. How you say something. You could say the same thing. But how you say it, the tone that you use, your body language. Are you looking at your phone? Are you looking at your watch? Are you looking all around? You know, makes such a difference. So it's important for us to remember that usually when there's a criticism in a marriage, it's really a hidden desire and wish. When a wife says you're never home, it means I wish you would be home more. And think about that. That's the way to say, try to say in the positive instead of in the negative and giving criticism. Mazel. I like that. Mazel. And then you will have mazel. And it'll be Tove. <laughs> yes. Very good. I like that. I like that. Okay. We got two more topics. Um, okay. The Indian, the Indian, Bosa Indian once again. And that is your the book that you authored, Raising a Child with Soul. Um, and I'm sure that's a book that you can't do justice to in just a few minutes. But, you know, as we're recording this, yesterday we recorded an episode with Sipalea Scheinberg and LCSW who deals with um, trauma, uh, people suffering from PTSD, et cetera. And she talked about this very 
interesting uh, theory, attachment theory uh, for children, their attachment towards parents and how crucial the early stages of child development are for having that feeling of safety uh, from parents. Um, so this is something that we're discussing. And I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit, of, you know, some of your advice, some of your pet peeves, if you will, um, about how to raise a child, child raising in the 21st century. I, I for sure will in one second. I just want to also say that I'm having Baruch Hashem, thank God, a new parenting book that's coming out this year with God's help. And it will be all new and giving that a little bit of a plug to look out for sure, that. Sure. When's it coming out? I hope it'll be coming out. I'm not sure if it's Hanukkah time or the spring. Oh, okay, good. So there's plenty of time in between. Yes, this time. A second take of an interview after Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But Raising a Child with Soul is a really crucial book for the foundation of childhood of parenting. And what I would like to express to parents is that number one, the world today feels as if it's just going crazy. I speak to parents almost every day and many are in tears about what the pandemic has done to the anxiety level of their children. I have constant calls from principals and from teachers about children who are really feeling as if the floor was just, the rug was pulled away from under their feet. They're back in school now, it's true, but we've lived through a pandemic. Children have been home for a long time and they don't know, are we going back to school, are we not? There was a time where they couldn't get together with friends, they couldn't get together with cousins, with grandparents. There were graduations lost. There were Pesach seders that were not celebrated with family as usual. That's hard for kids. And I'm not saying it's not hard for parents, but we are the adults. So it's one thing for us to deal with. And then there's just the technology issue with which many, many parents grapple with and deal with. Then you have just regular life, you know, financial stuff, emotional stuff, kids who are bullied, scholastic stuff, kids need, needing all types of therapies, health issues. So there's a lot in this world for parents to deal with. You must be your child's lifeline. And that means that home is a haven, that a child feels safe when they are in your presence, when they come home. It doesn't mean that you don't discipline, but number one, I would say that you must create a connection with the child and give the child time. You will give that child time. The choice is yours. Will you give it before the problem so that there is no problem? Or will you get the call from the school or the mother of the friend or somebody else? And then you'll have to give the time after. So when do you want to give that time? Let's give it in a healthy way. As long as you have a connection with your child, you have hope. And that's why the word for hope, tikvah, has the root word kav, which means a line, a connection. As long as you have a connection with your child, you have hope. So ask yourself, am I connecting with this child? And do it from the time that the child is in your arms. Sing, sing Shema, sing Moda'ani to the baby. And then as the child grows, 
That child has likes and dislikes. Get to know your child. Be curious about your child. The second thing I'd like to say is that the spiritual foundation, and I speak about this at length in my book, Raising a Child with Soul, spiritual foundation of every home must be a karasato attitude of gratitude. A child must see this between parents and a child must learn to express gratitude. If not, this is where chutzpah and disrespect grows. So gratitude is crucial to a functional, healthy, spiritual, and emotionally strong home. Gratitude, not attitude. Gratitude, not attitude. Yes. <laughs> wow. I want to ask you, our final topic is about your mother, um, Robertson Esther Youngrice. And I remember reading some of her books. I think Life is a Test. Is that right? Published by Yes, Art Life Art. is a Test. Incredible book. And your mother was an incredible person. I don't know how we do justice in a few minutes, but I guess I'll just put it out there and let you, uh, you know, take it from here. But what do you believe is your mother's legacy? Well, there is one book that tried to do justice and it really did an amazing job. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer wrote the book, The Rebbitson, recently. If anybody would like to, and you haven't yet seen that book, it's an incredible book. It's I always say it's better than, than a Netflix Netflix film. I mean, it, it takes you just all over the world. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. When it was over, I myself was so, so sad to turn the last page. So growing up in my home, we saw truly what it means to love your people, to love your God, and to love your family. And I'm not saying that in any order because it was an incredible home that we grew up in. My mother and my father both lived through the Holocaust. My father lost his entire family. My mother, thank God, survived with her parents and her two brothers. When people ask me, when did you learn about the Holocaust? I can't pick a date. This this is like in my blood. It's in my, my sinus. It's in my veins that we are here today as a miracle and life is such a gift to create a legacy. As we spoke before is my mission. It's all our mission. Each of us was given the name of one of our grandparents who died in the Holocaust. I was called from my great grandmother, my grandfather's mother. And I know that I live for her. She was taken away. She was taken to Auschwitz. The last moment she was seen, she was saying the Shema. And that is always in my heart to know that we have an opportunity every single day to live for those who cannot. Now, what am I going to do with that life? How lucky we are, how blessed we are to live in this world where we can make a difference, where You can go out and you can make a blessing and you can go to a kosher restaurant and you can teach and you can raise a family. There's so much you can do to be a blessing in this world. So what do I do with that gift? What do I do with my time here? My mother taught me how to live that kind of life. And when she left this world, she made me promise to continue her work. She was never afraid of anything 
or anyone except Hashem. She spoke across the world. She spoke in the Israeli army, in the American army. She spoke to all types of audiences just because she had this burning desire to make this world better for our people and to connect Jews to their roots. There was a a, a great video clip of your mother talking, what is love? Um, and I know that got circulated around a lot and you talk about how, you know, she loved uh, Hashem, her people, her family. How did she define love? She would always say that love comes from the word ahava, which is hab, which is to give. And just as a nursing mother, this is how Hashem created the world. The more she gives, the more milk you have. The more you give, the more love that you have to give. When you are investing in somebody and giving, that's when you love them. Why do you love a newborn, she would say, when the newborn comes home? The baby doesn't say thank you. The baby's waking you up the whole night. You're constantly changing diapers. You're, you're exhausted. But every day you love that baby more. Why? Because you are invested. So the more you are invested, the more that you're giving, the more that you love. I mean, my mother had the largest Torah class in the world. Every Tuesday night, we would be at KJ in the city. The line would be around the block. And it would be 1,500 young people coming to study Torah with her, which is amazing. She would come at 4 o'clock in the morning. But she was always so filled with spirit because she was giving. And she loved to teach and she loved to give. In fact, when she became ill, we were with her by the doctor and he gave the diagnosis. And he said, do you have any questions? I remember my mother took a tissue and she dabbed her eyes and she collected herself. And she said, I just want to know if I can continue my teaching. That was her only question. Wow. That says a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. And it looks like you really are continuing her legacy um, by teaching. Uh, we were fortunate to have you come to our community, speak in our community, and speak to uh, the women in our colo. Um, so thank you for doing your part and your role and uh, really um, bringing the Lador Vador concept to a whole new level. Um, this was awesome. I'm so happy we did this. I know we wanted to do this a few times before, and we could. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I. Like, and there were so many things that came out that were really not in my control, whether it was a flight that was canceled or I couldn't make or this or that. Um, and what I tell myself is, you know, the Yitzhar knows this is going to be a good one. So Thank you so much. It was my honor. My zuchos. Thank you so much. And may Hashem bless you and your family and all your hard work that you should see much more blessing, much more mazel, both types of mazel, the, your mazel and and the general uh, meaning of mazel, and we should all have tremendous simcha in our lives. Amen. And thank you for inviting me, and you have the most incredible community that you are growing. Baruch Hashem. Thank you so much. Thank you. To listen to all Kolot episodes and see upcoming guests, visit kolopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Kolot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. 
Kolot is a project of the Columbus Community Kolel, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvahs at the Kolel. Whether it's a study partner, engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.